You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Uh, this is The Human Condition, episode number seven, right? Seven, seven? six. I think, I think it's seven. All right. Regardless, it's, it's, uh, it's an important one, um, one that's very near and dear to my heart. So we're going to talk about PTSD, post, post-traumatic stress disorder. The uh, I call it the silent killer. I've heard it called that in other other realms as well. Um, the reason this is very near and dear to me is is it's something that I was diagnosed with in 2013. Up until that point, I had no idea where the patterns in my life had come from. I knew what hypervigilance was. I, I knew what anxiety was. I think – People, I don't know that I was officially diagnosed with bipolar or social anxiety disorder. They were just talked about in psychological settings. Well, maybe this, maybe that, maybe this, maybe that. I didn't even know that PTSD, I had only heard of it as shell shock, right? Right. Uh, Something that was attributed to veterans and more. So, So for a big portion of my life, I was confused as hell. I lived in a state of fight or flight. Didn't know what that was either. So the way that I would deal with what I ultimately learned was emotional flashbacks was typically alcohol. It it would black me out. It would take me out. So post-traumatic stress disorder, it's brought on by traumatic events traumatic events that stick with you for long periods of time, possibly life. Now, not everybody that experiences trauma will develop PTSD. There's extreme levels of trauma and then then there's varying levels of PTSD also. I was diagnosed with severe PTSD. Mine goes back to childhood abuse, blah, blah, blah. We're not going to get into all that. But – um. It's a very confusing illness, right, because it comes in spurts. So it's anxiety, it's bipolar, it's panic, it's alcoholism, it's addiction, it's, it's every, every, everything across the realm of, of – personality defects or illness or mental illnesses it's all of them compiled into one and it happens all in one moment <laughs> in what's called a flashback and the, the the level of suicide amongst people who suffer severely from this condition is massive yet it's it's often overlooked and and one thing that i've noticed now is that it's the term PTSD has become popularized, right? You know, in pop yeah. culture. So I have PTSD. I have PTSD. No, you, you, you probably don't. You, you're probably suffering a little bit of anxiety right now. PTSD. It's a whole different ball game, and it, and it is a silent killer. And I'll stop talking for now because I have a, you know, I have this right here, and for everybody to see, right. this is uh, this is just one of the books in my PTSD therapy. And it's full. And I didn't bring all the other notebooks and the folders and the stuff that I do daily 
But this right here is a process that I go through daily. Even when people think I'm doing good, I get up in the morning and, you know, it, it could be the stupidest little thing like somebody cutting me off in traffic. We always go to that. That sets me off. That sends me back into some moment in my childhood where I wasn't good enough or I was getting abused or I was abandoned. And now in this moment, it becomes an all or nothing situation. I go into fight or flight and I'm not me anymore. It's the strangest thing. Yeah, you know, when you asked me to do this topic on Sunday, first of all, I want to I want to thank everyone at work for helping me compile a lot of information. I work with a lot of clinicians, Brad, Justin, Narissa, Mr. G. Um, a lot of dudes downstairs gave me a lot of good info and some people upstairs because I was how PTSD is treated and, and what defines PTSD. Does it have to be one traumatic event can it be they were talking at my work about one big t or multiple little t's which can create a big t Mm -hmm. you know and you know the clinical director was talking about how the brain when a big t he calls it a split like the brain almost splits it absolutely does and and like the right and the left it's like Bam, like all neurons and everything just split. And it doesn't necessarily in the physical sense do that, but it's just like they call it a split. Well, I can tell you that 4% of the neurons in my hippocampus, they don't fire. Right. Physically. It shrunk there. So a lot of of people at work were like talk therapy doesn't really do shit for PTSD. You know, because it's it's stored. It's it's like my brain's going to keep that and then it locks it away. Mm-hmm. And the problem with even like the clinician Brad was saying, he's like, you lock that trauma away. Right. In in a safe, you, you know, in the safe of your mind. And it's and it's so automated. But the thing is, the safe leaks. And what happens is, mm-hmm. is that. You put multiple traumas in the same safe. I'm going to leak. It, it, it gets yeah, compartmentalized. Yeah, I'm go- it's going to leak after a while, and then what happens is is that certain things trigger that trauma. Smell, right? It's simple. It could be all different kinds of things, and you know, it's uh, it's interesting because. The trauma has a physical aspect as well as that it's stored Absolutely. in the body. It's stored in the organs of the body as well as the brain. So it's funny. The clinical director was telling me the story while gathering all this information. He's like, he's like, it's a video. He's like, it's of a polar bear, right, up in the Arctic. And there's all these scientists and shit, and they want to tag this polar bear. So... They shoot the polar bear and tranquilize it and tag it and everything. And they all kind of step back. They wait a couple hours for this polar bear to awaken. But for when it's awakening for like five minutes, it's laying on its back, just kicking its legs, just kicking them out. What was going on in that polar bear is that that's its way of releasing the trauma that the polar bear just experienced. That makes sense. You know, you have to get the trauma out somehow. The clinicians were all talking about, uh, what is it, 
EMDR. Yeah, well, yeah, EMDR therapy. You know, they're saying that. So I did it. <laughs> yeah, they're like it's extremely fucking brutal. And I'm trying to watch the f words today. I accidentally said the f word in a bunch of in front of a bunch of CEOs at a hospital. It didn't yeah, go over I, too well with my boss. It happens. Um, so it was there was some trauma involved after that one for sure. <laughs> um, but they were saying that it's extremely brutal. Yeah. Now for for kids, it's a little different. Um, it's not as brutal. But the whole thing is, if you got substance use disorder or any kind of substance abuse problem at that time, like EMDR is not for you. A lot of the clinicians were like, you you really can't be doing EMDR if you're suffering from any form of substance abuse because it will – it's going to make you use or drink or whatever. And And I thought that was very interesting because I didn't know how brutal, you know, it was. Um, you can um, – I can attest to – you can't have any substances, and and if you want to get through PTSD, and I, we'll just stick to it because that's the subject. But I I would say this with most with most um, diag- diagnoses that you really need to have your brain substance free to be able to truly get through it. And for years, for years, I thought I couldn't understand my patterns. And it, there is a split. There was a, there was two of me. One part of one part of me wanted me dead. Wanted me dead at any cost for what reason? I, I still haven't figured that out. And in cognitive processing therapy, we think we got to the single moment where where everything flipped, where all of a sudden it became this eight year old kid making all decisions for me. The ego would not allow me to feel that part anymore. And and to the ego's credit, the ego was trying to protect me. You know, trying to protect this kid. That kid stayed alive. And when the ego got busted down into submission for whatever reason, get broke up with or this person's going to I'm not good enough. You know, whatever it is, the way it affects a normal person. Okay, well, you know, you move on to the next thing, right? You process through it and you're good to go. You might cry a little tear or whatever. The way it affected me is my life's over. I could just – I know what it feels like to be suicidal. I never wanted to kill myself. So what I would do is I would check out and I learned and I I learned before I knew what PTSD was and before I knew what I was going through, the way out without killing myself was a blackout and alcohol was the only thing that could do that. So for years, I was chasing therapy in AA and in, you know, different program. I was I was looking. I'm like, man, what's going on? And then there were things that just didn't sit. I'm like, well, I don't, I that 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 um, that allergic reaction. I don't, I don't know what that feels like. But so I was chasing it that way. And then it wasn't until I checked myself into Havenwick. I'm like, I'm fucking nuts, man. I can't do this anymore. It would be like every four months, and I would just snap, snap, and I would beat myself into submission, usually through alcohol. And then I checked myself in, and then then the, for the first time in my life, I had somebody describe my patterns to me. And it was a psychiatrist. I forget his name. I was only there seven days. He said, uh, what's your experience? And they're, they're called emotional flashbacks. And then he took me hold, and, and then a light came on because all of a sudden I was aware. 
I was aware of the pattern. Now, I, I don't wear this pattern. I don't, call, I don't say I am PTSD. It's just a thing that goes on. It, but my awareness of it allowed me to work through it. You can't work through it under the influence of any substance because you're – the space that, that I have or anybody with PTSD has between stimulus and response, it's, it's a fraction of a hair, right? And what's the first thing that any mind-altering substance is going to do? Uh, the ability that I have Amplify. to – it's, go, it's gone. Yeah. Now it's gone. Now, now I have – so when I go into fight or flight, it's going to be one or the other. I'm going to fight. I'm going to flight. It, it depends on the situation. Usually I would – flee into this this abyss and I couldn't understand why. And once I started to understand why, I still couldn't stop it because I, I I just didn't know what what the – you know what I, I – so anyway, this book right here, Cognitive Processing Therapy, I, I go – I have to go through these exercises where I ask myself, is this – real? I, I have to take the situation. This person yelled at me. What's the situation? This person yelled at me. Then I write the thought of the stuck point. Well, I'm not allowed to fail, you know, and I, and I go through all these things. There's like eight or nine things that I have to go through to get myself out of it. And what uh, Dr. Brad, when he said that talk therapy really doesn't yeah, work. He's not a doctor, but he, sh- he should be. <laughs> so work therapy. It's the only and, – and you get an hour, you know, so I was an hour a week with this therapist and I got this and I think it saved my life. I still go through it. I'm going through it right now. You wouldn't know it. I'm I'm hyper vigilant and I'm going through it sober right now. Had an incident happen. It was about a week and week and a half ago. I know how I flipped into a different person. I know how that happened. I couldn't stop it when it happened. I brought it back, and now you know it's it's usually about a two to three week um, pat, pattern of having to live through this. So I have to catch myself on the way here. What triggered the response? What triggered the response? Yeah. Okay, so um, there's a lot of ums today because this is a personal episode. It's all right. But uh, so we were in Vegas. Vegas, we stayed at a non-gaming casino. When we were going to leave, we went to a gaming casino. We missed our uh, our Uber to – we were going to go see Paris, the the, uh, the fake Eiffel Tower or whatever. Right, right. And and we heard it was going to be like an hour, hour and a half. We were just waiting for our flight. So we couldn't do it. So we went back into the casino and we were killing time. I walked up to a high roller gaming table and I pulled out some money. I don't know what made me do it. I don't really gamble anymore, but just killing time, right? I started winning a bunch of money. So I had a stack of chips in front of me from a couple hundred bucks and – in in retrospect, right? I'm I'm I start feeling this feeling. I I, I know there's this thing going on inside of me. But then the but then the but then the kicker was I lost it all. Yeah, I lost it all. And then again, retrospect, hindsight being 2020, I felt inadequate. I felt like I was a loser. I felt so. None of this is real, right? I didn't. All I did was lose the casino's money. It, it was it was the most nothing thing in the world. All right. I did was lose right. the casino's money yeah. just fuck, fucking around and playing a game. Only because I've done this can I go back and say that's the part of – back there in the amygdala, that's what was triggered. I'm inadequate. I'm a loser. I'm no good. I should just jump off a bridge. And Maria was with me and she said my eyes changed. 
instantly. And I'm still going through. I'm still yeah. processing through that shit. It's insane. Yeah. You know, um, there's a lot of responses at a casino, you know. Well, alcohol. <laughs> and not just that, but like just the noises and the people. Uh, there's a different energy um, in that situation alone, yeah. you know. And the energy can't isn't necessarily a positive one. Uh, I don't go to casino often. Uh, when I usually do, uh, I'm not really a big gambler. But when I start gambling, if I start winning, things will go good. But I've also learned that my mind, it's a game. It's just a game. So, like, if I've got my stack, if I go in and I throw, you know, 50 bucks in the slot machine and, you know, and I'm looking at the credits and everything and it's like, ooh, you 500 up, I got to go. I got to go. I'm not going to gamble anymore. And, and and it's tricky because when I was – I got burned. I had a traumatic event in Caesars Palace in Atlantic City. I was in there. I had a lot of money, and I I just got brutally beat down. Uh, I was in town for my cousin's wedding, and and, and I lost like seven thousand dollars. And I remember walking on, on the, out the backside of Caesar's Palace because it goes right to the beach, and, and I was like, "What? What just happened?" Like because I didn't see it coming. There wasn't a lot of people, uh, you know. And uh, I just got brutally beat down. And to me, I processed that for a long time. I did not gamble for a long time. I stayed away for a long time, almost 12 years. See, for me, it wasn't the gambling. For for me, it was the there, there was a series of – and I spent four days in the abyss, man, four days to where – and I'm doing good. Life's good. Life's great. I, I really don't have anything to complain about. Business is good. And uh, it, it was, it was that this fear. It was fight or flight, and that I was inadequate. It was so connected to something that had no basis in reality. It it was, and it, and it's unique to go through where, where I am right now. Like it, it's, it's amazing. I'm here. Like it's a miracle that I'm here because a year ago I wouldn't have been here. I'd be three weeks into a bottle and puking right. on myself, just trying to not really trying to end it, but just not wanting to be here. Could not disconnect. Dis, disconnect. Dis, complete disconnect. Spiritual disconnect. Everything all disconnect. disconnect. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All disconnect, all systems down, you know, isolation. And it, it, for me at the end of the day, I, you know, I don't take this as a bad thing. I take it as progress because the frequency, the, the intensity, the intensity, the frequency and the duration have diminished significantly because I know where I'd be a year ago. I know exactly where I'd be today. I wouldn't have made this. I wouldn't be here sitting right. with you. It'd be a whole different thing. That's and I guess I say that to for people that are battling this in in this way. You're not alone. You know, like it, somebody understands this shit and and you don't know how long it took me to find a therapist that actually did 
that actually and even at at the end of the, the day they didn't like there was a certain point where they had to get off and they're they're like well maybe let's talk about substance abuse well no why are we going in reverse man let's let's talk about right. what brings what right. the because one doesn't exist without the other so we're here now so what we was discussing at work was that um amongst addicts and alcoholics cuz it in on record they say that 60 to 75% of all addict alcoholics um have experienced PTSD I would agree. now we were of the mind that the number is closer to 90% I would agree <laughs> because there's a lot of underreporting nowadays I I think you know they're underreporting deaths they're underreporting everything but we were we were really like it's about 90%, mm-hmm. you know, and we were yeah. also wondering like how, how the resilience of the brain works. Cause we, I started getting into it. Cause like, you know, Brad and Justin, we were talking about soldiers. That was yeah. the first one. How does a soldier, you know, let's say a soldier goes into combat, kills 200 people, comes back home is perfectly fine. You take a soldier that goes into combat, kills one, comes back and is completely we're all wired different. Yeah, yeah. The wiring, the wiring. You know, is it? You know, what plays a, a role? The environment, other traumas that have uh, taken place in a person's life. To little T's, big T's. Well, I you think know? a lot has to do with how spiritually tuned you are, because somebody who can go over there and take two hundred lives. Well, how spiritual are they? How how tuned in are they to the universe? They're they're they live in a space of disconnection, right? And they've they've found some comfort there. So I think somebody who's who's able to remain disconnected and they're they're at least on the surface happy there, I don't think you're gonna experience it at a deep visceral level. But but again, it's wiring. There's a, a lot of physiology to this. Yeah. Because there's things that I've gone through that other people have gone through and they're not dealing with what I'm dealing with at forty four. You know? Right, right. Different paths, I guess. What What did you think of the EMDR? It helped, you know. It it, it definitely did. This was more important to me. The CPT. I, I stayed cognitive on EMDR. Yeah, no cognitive processing. Processing. Therapy. Yeah. Yeah. So this this right here was it for me because I'm more cerebral, and I and I can dig into this, and I, I really do want to know about myself, and I'm willing to put the work in. What did it, you do physically to get the trauma out? It's still there. So I have to process, and this is how I process. I go through these these different questions. You know, what's the event? Um, what's the stuck point? Go back to the stuck point in the past. What does this relate to? Is this real? And that's the most important thing in reality right now. The way that you're feeling, as in, as intense as you're feeling it, is this based on reality? It's almost never. I would say ninety five percent of the time. Unless I'm in imminent danger, <laughs> which I right. rarely am, right? It's it's you know it's almost never. Now I can handle a car, I can handle a gun in my face. I've done it. I can I can handle the craziest thing, jump jumping out of airplanes. I can I can I, anything that tests my life. I can do it hands down. But I, I can't I can't take it and yelled at. Is that yeah. it's the it's the weirdest thing. I guess it's not weird. I understand it, but for those who don't, just don't make any damn sense. It doesn't make any sense. You know, we use a lot of uh, emotional regulation techniques at work, 
you know, uh, uh, dealing with a lot of clients and stuff. Uh, you did you ask know, the question, how do I get the trauma? You know, the, clinic, yeah. the, the clinical director and stuff, uh, old school, um, Eastern, uh, you know, study, mm-hmm. studied under Dr. Lee, been doing ancient Chinese martial arts and emotional regulation therapy. Meditation. I th- I, I, yeah, I think since like 1971. It's one of those. And so there's pressure points on the body that help release different emotions when I'm anxiety, excitement. Um, there's also certain pressure points that will put you to sleep. You know, those, this one, the vagus nerve, you know. That's a I, big one. Yeah. I, I don't know when, a whole lot about it. But. When I am when I have anxiety going on or I can't sleep or my mind is running, like going a million miles a second, there's a pressure point that's on the side. If you follow the, I believe it's the lifeline, all the way to the side, you can feel it. And you just rub it for a while back and forth for, you know, three to five minutes. And you will feel yourself decompress. You'll feel like a release go on mentally as well. You know, sometimes, I, it, it, you know, I've been trying to kick the melatonin and um, I found like a lot of times at night, that's all I need to do, you know. And oh, there's, really? there's a lot of different pressure points. There's some on the face. There's certain ones that when you're tired, you can get energy. Um, you know, he, uh, I'll show you a lot of them. Uh, I got them all written down and stuff. And there's certain ones to use with the eyes. So, like, take one of these green or black squares. If I slowly run my eyes across and then down and then across as slow as you possibly can, it will. Well, that's kind of what EMDR is. Yeah, uh, it'll, it'll release. It'll take it down, you know, and it, it's uh, it, it's there's so many different ones. But these, when you're when you're using these, what I'm doing is I'm getting myself out of my brain state. I need to get, I need to get the trauma out of the safe. Mm-hmm. The safe is leaking and it's leaking bad. And I, either I've been triggered by a response, whether it's a smell, that a makes, sight, or something. Yep. I need so now the safe is open and it's leaking bad, and something has happened. So these pressure points are responses to the response, so that I don't act out. And so I'm treating the trauma as I'm doing this, and it rewires my brain as I'm doing these exercises. I get what – so what it's doing is – so what CPT does, what EMDR does, and what what you're Emotional regulation technique, uh, but – Also known as emotional alignment. But what it's doing is it's opening up new new neural pathways. So when you're conditioned to fight or flight – I know that this is what – that's what this is designed for, to open up new neural pathways because your brain has been closed. I don't know the exact science behind it. But what is going on is that the neurons are now refiring. Right. And a lot of new those pathways. or reconnecting old ones because I have to I have to physically get the trauma out of my body. What's got to it get re- still has to come out the body and it's got to oh, be treated in the mind. Yeah. You know, cranial sacral therapy is another one where um, your your trauma is going to be worked out, you know, physically, massaged out of the body. 
Man, it may I... take some time, but it, it will. If if you do all these things, I mean, this is not an overnight process. Hell this stuff, and that's what's hard. And because that, we want results right away, right away. And and when you're in that anguish, you just want out. Right. And, Get me it, the fuck it, out. It's of like here. a. It's like a baseball. You know, you look at a baseball and it's like hard as a motherfucker. And the leather, you know, you're like, how do I how do I get rid of this thing? So what I gotta do is I gotta split the leather open and get into all that string. And I gotta get that string unraveled. And put it back together, right? <laughs> and and then let it go. And let the wind take the string and that's a hard thing to do but it it really is a process and the more that I work on things the more that I go to these things to treat me my chances of healing increase you know and, and the thing is no one wants to like do pressure points in public you nobody know nobody wants to do this nobody you know, wants my, to do any of that you know, the, the director was like, you know, we, we were talking when we I was getting all this information and, you know, we were talking about meridian lines and just by crossing the meridian line, you're activating the brain state, which is where my trauma is leaking. So just simply like crossing my leg and then crossing my arm and putting it on my shoulder, okay. I'm doing something. Namaskar. Right. As I'm waiting in the doctor's office and I'm sitting with my leg crossed, you know, and my hand over my shoulder, I have crossed the meridian line twice while I'm waiting to be called. Say it takes 10 minutes. I'm healing while I'm doing that. It is simple. It is so simple. Mm -hmm. You know, doing pressure points in public, I have no problem doing that. I do it all the time. Not as often as I'd like. But there's certain times where I'll be doing a pressure point that's like right underneath my nose because I'm tired as hell and I need a boost. And I, that's the pressure point that does that. I work the mantras, the mantras, the namaskar. You know, I, I sometimes I feel a little goofy, but connecting that, the, those two lobes right yeah. here, letting that function back and forth, that helps. I, I have these, you know, I grab this. It means something. I'll grab, I don't have them today, but they mean something. I want to just. I want to just put this out there. I know there's a lot of people in recovery that listen to our show and there's a lot of 12 steppers and um, I want to put this as politely as I can doing step four and five acknowledges a lot of trauma, but if your sponsor is unskilled about trauma, you're going to want to find someone that can handle your trauma. You just dropped a jewel. <laughs> you know. Dro dropped a jewel. I, I'm not, I'm not saying nothing bad. I'm just it's saying truth, that man. four and five didn't treat my trauma. I was able to acknowledge it and I was able to like see where some of it was. Hell yeah. But the rest of the work was on me. Yep. Now, I never saw a therapist. I, I really used the spiritual kingdom to treat my trauma. I used a lot of Native American spirituality stuff to treat the trauma. Huge amounts of Native American rituals and techniques to treat my issues. Um, 
It's just what I did. I'm not saying it works for everyone. Everyone's brain's different. Everyone's traumas affect us different. But I went the spiritual route. And there are still a few traumas that, you know, they don't affect me the way they used to. When they happen, I don't go out and pick up a bottle. I will sit in reflection sometimes, and if it makes me reflect a little too long, I'll bust out a pad and a pen, and I'll do some writing real quick. And I'll see the things that I need to see, and I need to understand that my journey is what it's going to be. And in the past, how I treat the past is how I'm going to eventually treat my future. And there's things that I can't take with me from back here to where I'm going. Can't take any of it. Not any of it, but I can take the love and I can take the relationships and I can take the memories. But that trauma, if I don't get it out, it's going to prevent me in the future from doing the things that I want to do and going to the places that I want to go. And I don't want to relive the same traumas. I don't want to come back in my next life and have to relive the shit that I should have taken care of in the first place while I was here this time. So and that that's an interesting thing because so when you suffer, I want to say suffer, when you're affected by these negative thought patterns, which most of us are at different levels, none of us were, none of us were born Christ, right? Right. But that it, I believe that that's – for me, that's the goal. I want to achieve Christ consciousness. That's that's what I want. Don't you believe you have it right now? Well, I believe I believe everybody I, – I believe we are it. So we could get into a whole spiritual realm conversation about we are one. And I, that's one of the mantras that I use. I, I'm one with the Almighty. Whatever the Almighty is to me, I'm one with the Almighty. Lack and limitation is is uh, is not real, or you know, it's something yeah. to that effect. But when I'm feeling something, I, I'll, I'll okay. Your thoughts are getting off, man. You're you're one with the Almighty. You're one with the Divine. You know, and we'll go into that. But what we're talking about doing in the work that we've put in. So I, I love in the program the the uh, mantra: progress, not perfection. With PTSD, <clears throat> it's all or nothing. You, you know what I mean? It, it's all or nothing. It's got to be perfect or the fucking world's on fire. It's, it, it's one or the other. You know, so I had to learn early on about intensity, frequency, duration, and progress, not perfection. So that way when I fell, because you're going to, you're able to get back up much quicker and move on to the next part of your life and deal with it a little bit better. You'll be able to learn from it. But what we're talking about doing, the type of work that we're talking about putting in, there's not many people in the population that are going to go to these lengths. And I think that's why medication exists, you know? Well, also I think medication exists because it'll put you to sleep and like, you know, put you in zombie land. The way that, the ancestors were doing it through pressure points and breathing exercises and meditation was that they didn't want you to go to sleep. They didn't want you spiritually dulled to treat the trauma. Right, right. They realized that all these traumas that I've experienced, there's release valves 
on the physical body. And with medication or alcohol, all you're doing is pushing it further down, pushing right. it further down. But if I'm doing pressure points or if I'm doing emotional regulation technique or I'm doing other forms of spiritual practices which are releasing the traumas, using the release valves and the pressure points on the body, I'm able to get rid of that trauma without medication, without alcohol, without marijuana, really without a therapist. I think there's some value in a therapist. Oh, I, I know, I know, but I, I know there is. I think it, the, the, you, there, there's a certain point where the work's on you, right? Once, you know, once you have your awareness and your right. techniques, you know, some people would go to a shaman to get rid of trauma, uh, or or their yeah, chief, you yeah, know, yeah, the chief of their tribe, because he, the medicine man, show him the way, right, right. You know, doing certain rituals and and doing certain activities to to release this trauma. You know, the problem with therapists, and it's not therapists, but therapy in general, is that people go to therapists to fix them. That's not possible. You you should go for insight, but the therapist can't fix you. They can give you tools, and they may. I, I, again, everyone's, I, uh, everyone's so quick to give you a pill, though. Well, that that's you know, a psychiatrist, that's, but know. but they will. You know, it's just so – my, my kid, you know. I'm not giving him – but they, they called me into a school because he, he was having trouble paying attention. He, he's nine, ten. You know, it, it's been his whole life where he's he, – lo and behold, it's not happening anymore. But since day one, they've been leaning on, well, have you thought about – you know what? I know a lot about that. I've thought significantly about it and I would sell my business and homeschool this kid before I ever put him on some medication, before his brain's even fully developed. You're out of your fucking mind, you know? But, yeah, quick, real quick to say, hey, take this. Really, society needs people sedated. When when it comes to, you know, and I'm going to – because you're you're far more versed in, in the, the recovery field than I am. Uh, do, you, do you follow Gabra Mate at all? A little bit here and there. So I, I love most of what he has to say about the subject of addiction I, in that it's 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 a deep disconnection. And through whatever compulsion it is that you you ascribe to, you're you're just looking for connection in some form or fashion. I think and I don't know much about the the physical aversion to substances. Don't know a whole lot about that. I have to believe that it exists, right? Scientifically, it exists. Right. It's it's written. Yeah. I have an allergic reaction when I put substances right. in my body. Right. Which create a phenomenon of craving and a mental obsession. doesn't matter whether it's crack or alcohol. That's what we suffer from. And it's in the genetic code. Right. It's in the genetic and code. And that's a thing. Right. But then what about all of the rest? All of the rest who really don't have that. But they suffer similarly because they're because society or therapy or we just don't have the time to dig into each individual to really get to where they became disconnected. Trauma can cause addiction, right? Even if you don't have the genetic code, chicken or the egg, right? Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and that's just—I mean—that it's just the way it is, you know. The disconnect comes in a lot of different forms, you know. Uh, whatever trauma I experienced, you know, I did, 
when I started using drugs and alcohol, it was really to cover up emotional pain. As I got older, you wanted me to participate in a reality or a world that I didn't really find any – I'm looking at it and then I'm looking at a capitalistic society and I'm not putting a jab right. in no, capitalism. No, no. But I didn't understand why everyone was so obsessed with money. Like money, uh, I didn't understand how – People believed that money was going to make them free or make them happy or you have all these belongings. I, I it, got lost it, there. It sickened me and I didn't understand. And then it got to the point when I see how the corruption works in governments, it's like, you know, the system is really rigged for certain people to win and certain people to fail. You know what? I'm going to smoke and I'm going to drink my whiskey. And I'm going to check out because this reality no longer inter- – I find of it of no value. There's no value in a system that's rigged for certain people to win. So I'm going to smoke. Disconnection. And I'm going to drink. I'm going to check out and don't interrupt me while I'm doing these two things because then you'll hear it from me was my philosophy. Mm -hmm. You know, don't interrupt me. And ultimately, you know, that drinking and drugging was, I was so disconnected that hard to be successful you know of, of anything it was just hard to hold a job you so know? so i wonder though were you more connected so this world because i agree with you i had a real problem with it i, I wasn't do. i still do. so to this day and that's but I've, I've found healthier ways to try to deal with it you know christ said i'm in this world i'm in this right, world but right. i'm not of it Right, and I think that is the human condition, the, the experience that we're here for. How do we transcend our humanness while we're here? But do you know how hard it is to stay in that statement all the time? Which statement? The one that Jesus said. You know, I, I can be of Even this he world. Could. I can be of this world, but not in it. To stay. No, he said, "I'm in it." Yeah, like I, well, I, I'm in it, but I'm not of it. Right. So, which is for, true for all of for us. me to like, you know use the matrix and weave in and out of the bullshit that society offers me and maneuver, it gets tiring. And I don't, I'm not always equipped to deal with that stuff. I'm not equipped always to deal with the man or the woman who's obsessed with money, who I have to communicate with, or the man or woman who's extremely power hungry and egotistical. And I have to have a conversation with I have I, I walk out of those conversations almost feeling like I need to do some smudging, you know. <laughs> like I, I'm I'm going to do some smudging. Where's this Paulo Santo Jesus? You know, like should be carrying it in my car, <laughs> you know. But to to us or, or for us, not to us. So in in that, because I agree with what you're saying, and I deal with it every day the same way you deal with it. We, we probably deal with it a, a lot more than we used to because we used to be able to deal with it, get rid of it immediately. So I have trouble dealing with that too, but I've, I've found some beauty in it in that this is the only way of tra- – trans. the only way to – you have to have something to transcend in order for there to be transcendence. Right. So at work, when I talk to the dudes, I call it a labyrinth. You know, I need to come up with a new name for it because a lot of them don't know what a labyrinth is. I like it. And I'm like, you guys are in the labyrinth. You know, the problem is that when I'm running through the labyrinth, 
I'm missing certain things that might be able to help me get out of the labyrinth. There are some days, a lot of days, that I can feel like I'm above the labyrinth and I'm looking down. There are certain days where I'm in that labyrinth and I'm running myself. I'm not drinking or drugging or anything, but the whole pace of society has got me for whatever reason Mm -hmm. where I have to be on point and I need to be moving. I need to be moving fast and I need to be on the phone and I need to do with these emails and I need to do all this stuff. And I don't like operating that way. I don't, I can do it and I'm good at it, but I really am the kind of guy where like, I like to take my time. I want to be prepared. I don't like being rushed. I see everything coming my way. Everyone just needs to just hold up because it's all going to get taken care of. Nothing, you know, it, it all happens in God's time. Just relax. But unfortunately, society is like, bam, bam, bam. You need now, 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 now. And then all of a sudden I'm running through the labyrinth and I'm missing things. And a lot of times what I got to do is I got to just pull myself out. I can pull myself out of the labyrinth, but it's got to be a conscious effort. It has to be a conscious effort. Russell Brand, still one of my favorite, I don't know if you read uh, Recovery by Russell Brand, plug his book for him, but he said the spiritual life is like rowing a rowboat away from a waterfall. Now, you can do it. But the second you pull your paddle out of the water to rest, you have to be aware that there's a force that's going to try to take you back. It's going to try to take you back at all costs. And if you keep your your paddle out of the water too long, it's going to suck you down. So I think it's a perfect metaphor for what the spiritual life is. So if we are truly spiritual beings having a human experience and the goal, the, the goal here is transcendence. In some form or fashion, transcendence. Maybe at some point we all become Jesus in different lives or whatever. Who knows? Maybe we all get to that kind. But if that's if that's it, it for me to be able to accept it and not commit to the abyss on a full time basis, I had to find the beauty in that. To me, there's beauty, and in, in the Buddhists will say, "Be grateful for your pain," right? It makes absolute yeah, sense yeah. to me. Dollarism. Life it, is suffering. You know? It, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it makes positive spin on that one. It, it's, it's hard to, it's. And I know it is because I can feel that it is, but there's also times when I'm not suffering, you know? Well, I don't, I, does it say suffering or pain? Because I know. Dollarism is suffering. suffering. Life is suffering. Yeah. Buddhist is uh, pain. Pain is necessary. Suffering is a choice. Right. And I, I, I would I would agree more with that. I, I don't think life is suffering. I think I think we make a choice to suffer when we agree too much to our humanness. I think we have to find a way to make our, our spiritual selves and our, our human selves, which will never leave until we leave this plane, work in tandem with one another. I think the Tao if you read the Tao Te Ching, I, I, it's the experience through itself is there is suffering throughout. Well, they, and, that, and I, I have read it, and I, and I don't disagree with anything in it. I just don't remember the statement, life yeah, is suffering. It was an early recovery uh, thing. I was digging around a lot. But it makes know. sense. 
It but, makes sense. And, and and that would resonate in early recovery. You know, how do you how do you apply, you know, trauma to the eightfold path of the four noble truths? You know, how would it fit in there? It perfectly. Perfectly. Would it treat your trauma? It treats it definitely treats. That's what I like about uh, refuge recovery <clears throat> is that there's a path forward. There's a there's a definite path forward, and and the thing I like about it, you know, when I'm there, I talk to Randy a lot, and he he, yeah. <laughs> he spun me onto this guy at Stephen Proctor, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Like Randy, and, Randy's a good. Yeah, ninja. He's a ninja. Right, right. And he and he talks about it as more of a wheel than a you know than an up spokes or a down. In the wheel. The spokes in the wheel, yeah. and then you know, and then the the things that you do set that wheel in motion, and then eventually, with enough, I don't want to say enlightenment, but but enough skill, and in offsetting suffering, it starts to spin upward on its own. I like that. I've experienced that. It makes absolute sense to me. That doesn't mean I don't still suffer because I do. Yeah. And and it it in in a in a Taoist uh, in a real Taoist way, it's a choice that I suffer, right? Even though I would say yeah. there's a I, this PTSD shit right here. I don't have no choice in that. Well, I do. It, it in some form. It, right. it, there was a choice made somewhere along the line. Am I making it consciously? No. True, but the brain, the brain is a tricky thing. Absolutely, you know, things, thing is so tricky. It's uh, it likes to do what it wants to do, mm-hmm. and it, and it doesn't let you know how resilient yours is going to be or it's not going to be. It's know? so it's such a fascinating. It's. They say by the, the year 2029, they scientists, they will have reverse engineered the brain. They've already admitted that's not going to happen. It's so intricate and it's such a beautiful thing. To me, understanding that helps me grow. I, I'm just one of those people. I, I, I like to – I don't hide behind knowledge that I have anymore like I used to. I don't intellectualize. But I find beauty in that. And, and I find beauty in the correlation between that and the universe. And then when you dissipate the the wall between the physical and the and the quantum, and then onto the whatever would be beyond quantum spiritual. To me, that's a a beautiful thing. If I didn't have that childlike wonderment towards that, I'd be I'd be dead. I'd I'd, I'd that I'd be dead. That that is saved. You asked me how I get. When the drink and the drugs are gone, what else? What is there to look for? I'm living on spiritual principles now. I'm going to go chase spirit as much as I can. As much as as much as it's you know, and and it's a sustainable drug, a sustainable high. It's like running with the wind. Yeah, you know, I want to go chase the wind. And sometimes I don't want to. Sometimes right. I get caught in the and, other one. Right. And, hey. and sometimes I get caught napping under the tree. Yeah. You know, yep. and the wind hits me in the face. Yeah. So, all right. PTSD. You know, one someone at work said, actually, 
the guy that should be a doctor, Brad, he's probably going to be talking to me tomorrow about me saying that. So his he's got a very moving story. Um, his, his daughter was uh, murdered, and, uh, you know, he said uh, that the, the trauma from that almost, you know, he, he – was it, went through trauma therapy, did a lot, even went to like a trauma therapy hospital. I remember him saying and stuff. That's tough, man. And so he said, I even operated like I had a, a PTSD filter that I would take things in and I filtered everything through my PTSD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, 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 yeah. And, and, and he was talking about how at certain times, like, you know, he was like, processing all this stuff but his ptsd was the filter the, was the processor right was, was the, the process the was the made, processor yeah, yeah. yeah and he was a you know he was the one that told me about the emdr and he you know he was telling the story about how he lied to his therapist like he's like yeah yeah i'm sober i'm sober and he was telling a story about uh how he was doing this therapy and he was like man it was brutal and he's like i wasn't sober and all of a sudden, things that I had forgotten, traumas that went right into the storage bank. Like he was like, there was mul- there's tons, tons of traumas that I didn't even, you know, click in, and it went right into the safe. But the EMDR is like, oh, some of this is seeping that you don't know about, and. and and it brings it out, and he was like, "Dude, I was like relapsing hard yeah, yeah. after that." And uh, and he was like, "Even now, he's like, man, I don't, I don't suggest anyone do EMDR without at least a year of sobriety, because you're going to be getting things coming, filtering out that you don't even know you locked." Yeah, and it's like, yeah. "Wow, I remember that, but where did that come from?" Because you went right into the safe with it. Mm-hmm. Like, boom. See, I don't even know. I know through this, I still think it's real premature. I Because I still s- suffer on occasion, not as much. It's far less frequent than it used to be. But because I still do, I think there's some, some things that I haven't gotten to yet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah it, 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 when I when I did ketamine, I did ketamine psychedelic therapy. It's designed to protect me. It's to designed yeah, right, to right. protect me. Right. From all the things that I don't want to feel. My brain is the pleasure center. There's going to be thousands of defense mechanisms in my brain to protect me from pain. It's just the way that the brain is designed. So a lot of my defense mechanisms are... So fast, I can't see. And, and you can't even be mad at the brain for doing that, right? Right. It, it, it's like, how can we be mad at our parents who were just doing the it's, best they could? It's trying to help. I think that that particular thing is learned in the womb, that the brain, you're here to protect me. You know, emotionally, whatever. Because a a, a, a child that's in the fetus can still feel the emotions of the mother. Right. So it's going to get those sensory type things from that. Well, they say it's in the third trimester that our personality starts to be right. formed. Third trimester until you're about three years old. There's there's different studies. Some would say later, but but yeah, I I never thought of that 
analogy, your brain is the parent, right? And it really is just trying to do its best to predict. It really thinks it's doing its best for you. Right. And it's trying to navigate this world that we look at from a spiritual perspective. And not even, let's get spiritual out of it because some people get offended by spirit. It's just, but just processing. But from a, it's processing information all the time. It's a computer. Yeah. It's a computer. And so without emotion. Right. Without emotion, but it's attached to I've got a heart. Yeah. I've got feelings. Let's let's do this right yes. now. Let's do this right, right. now. I've got an ego. Right. Let's go <laughs> I ahead. want stuff. Let's go ahead and protect that from Right. I, I know I don't have enough. Never had enough. Man, lack and limitation, the biggest lie on the face of the planet. Yeah. We all we we've all agreed to it. I remember my aunt saying, she did, God rest her soul. Um, she remembered me as a kid. There's no, there's no, uh, I became an actor for obvious reasons. Right. I retreated into fantasy. That's how I dealt with abuse. I lived there. My brain protected me. I got trapped. And then when I became an adult, I didn't have, I didn't, I couldn't function in the adult world with that anymore. That, that eight year old, whatever, eight, nine year old, Maybe it was a bunch of little tees, whatever it was. I couldn't function in the adult world, so I was an outcast. It do just you believe that believing in miracles. Do you believe you're in fantasy land now? I believe everything's a miracle. Everything. Have we turned to our spirituality as a means of fantasy? No. I think that's the only truth that I feel. The only absolute truth is compassion. This this binding force that's so I don't and I've I've, I've you know pondered I mean? that I've, I have pondered that yeah, I've pondered that, that too and it's a great question and maybe we'll go into that next episode but I think we're getting the what do we got Two all right minutes. I want to put I'm going to do a little plug here it's a book Bessel van der Kolk MD I don't ever do this this is the first time Hold it up for you. but uh, it's called the body keeps the score. I read only about 25 pages of it last night. If you have any kind of trauma, trauma-related issues or SUD issues, check this book out. I think that's good. Um, it was amazing uh, when I was reading this. Actually, uh, one of the clinicians, Justin, let me borrow this. He's like, dude, you're going to want to look at this book. As I was walking around with this book at work, everyone's like, oh, you've got that book? I've oh, Awesome book, right, you know. Pick that up, and uh, I don't have that book. And I was like, "Wow, man, this book's real popular and stuff." Because I'm not a, I'm not a clinician or anything. And so I took it home last night, and I start flipping through it, and I just there's everything. Oh, there's a lot. There's a lot in here. It goes into MD, EMDR, all different stuff. The the polyvagal theory. All sorts of different, and we're getting the sign. We're getting the sign. But uh, definitely check it out if you guys out there need any extra help. Take a look at it. Thank you, everyone, for the comments, the questions, the suggestions. We appreciate all the feedback. Keep it coming. We'll see you in two weeks.